Hello and welcome to Connected by Life. I'm your host, Sean Paul Harrison. Connected by Life was created to have engaging conversations about important topics that impact physicians and our clinical stakeholders in regards to organ and tissue donation and transplantation. Today we're going to talk about the collaboration between national organ procurement organizations and its impact on the industry as a whole. Today I'm welcoming two of my friends that will be sharing their extensive experience and their knowledge in regards to donation. Today I'm welcoming back two industry-leading colleagues from Midwest Transplant Network to the podcast, Ms. Lisa Teb and Kyle Peterson. Thanks for joining me once again, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Listen, before we get back into uh, the topic of the co-OPO, I know that we had really specifically talked about an event you all just had. I wanted to uh, reintroduce you all and, and so y'all could share a little bit about yourselves and the role that you have at MTM and just some of the things that y'all are doing. Sure. Well, I have been in the OPO industry myself for just a little over 16 years. I come from a nursing background of 30-ish years. Prior to coming to MTN, much like Kyle, I was a critical care nurse that took care of both transplant patients and donor patients. Uh, So it was kind of a natural transition for me to join the OPO world um, 16 plus years ago. And since then, um, I've taken on numerous roles, but I've been in my hospital development or hospital services role for the last nine years. And I look forward to continuing to grow in that role along with my colleague, Kyle. As Lisa mentioned, I'm also a nurse. I spent about 11 years in the pediatric ICU world as a nurse, and then also uh, was a chair of our donation committee at the last hospital I worked at. And I joined Midwest Transplant Network as a hospital service coordinator in March of 2020, um, actually just four days before the world shut down due to the COVID pandemic. Um, And so that was a bit of a change, you know, going from working night shift, 12 hour shifts to um, working from home. I was excited to to make the the transition into the OPO world uh, just because of my experience as a nurse working alongside donors, donor heroes and their families, and then also supporting you know, my colleagues. Uh, I saw the hospital services role as a way to continue um, working alongside nurses that may not have ever worked with a, a donor hero or the, and their family to help support them through that. What you know, what can be a pretty challenging, uh, challenging time. Uh, in a lot of different respects, and and then also how to help them see that the impact of that work uh, through the transplant recipients and the gifts that are being given by our, our donor heroes. Well, I know that I can talk for for many people, and I just want to say, you know, thank you for all that you all are doing, all the years of experience, and and who it's impacting, and uh, even more of an impact. I want to kind of shift over to, you know, what we kind of talked about. We briefly talked about it in the previous episode, but those that may have not have listened to it, um, kind of define what this co-OPO really is. So if you could elaborate a little bit more on, you know, what that is. Sure. Um, Kyle and I have been privileged to attend uh, numerous conferences over the last year. And in the summer of 2022, we attended one of our national OPO conferences um, locally. And we connected and networked with a lot of industry professionals that do the same role that we do Um, which is very unique in the healthcare industry. And those relationships, that knowledge, and the experience of all of our other colleagues across the country, it almost felt like there was a void when we were leaving that we were going to lose all that information and all those connections. 
So Kyle and I convened after that meeting and we decided that we were going to make an attempt to continue to foster those relationships and start a platform where we would meet quarterly with our industry colleagues to start sharing best practices and stay connected um, with folks across the country. And that's kind of where the co-OPO got its foundational start. So I know that y'all just made your one year back in October. Can you talk a little bit about the growth from where you started to where it is today? Yeah, so our we ha- we held our first um, meeting, like you said, back in October of 2022. Uh, on that meeting, we had, I don't remember the, the total number of people that were on it, but we had seven OPOs represented um, from across the country. Um, and a lot of those folks were just people, like Lisa had mentioned, that we we met um, at the national conference or that we had had connections with. Um, I know Lisa had a connection to, to LOPA through, um, through Jessica Dufresne and her, the work they had done on um, with HCA. Uh, the hospital system HCA, and so you know, we reached out to them and said, "Hey, would you all be interested in just getting together and talking about you know best practices and just kind of you know sharing stories and sharing information?" And, and you know, we had a great response. And then we decided, well, that was really awesome. How how should we continue to build on that? Um, and so we we just started reaching out to more people and, and encouraging folks to share. And now we we host a quarterly meeting. Uh, it's on the second. It's in the second month of the quarter. Um, it's usually the third Wednesday of the month of that second month. Um, so the this you know this last meeting was November fifteenth, um, and at our most recent meetings, we've had over forty OPOs represented. Um, and wow, that's um, incredible. From yeah, and it's been across from across the country, from the OPO in Hawaii to New England. Uh, Puerto Rico's even included uh, in there. So, you know, it's really across the country um, and we're just, we're just blown away by the growth um, and just so thankful for folks like you and Jessica and all the other folks that were in that, that first meeting to, to say, yeah, sure, let's go for it. Well, I, I mean, honestly, a, a lot of credit goes to you all. I mean, I know that you we're talking about, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people that are a part of this now, but, you know, it started with the vision that you all have. And I'm going to kind of show my age a little bit because I remember the National Collaborative that was like 100 years ago um, that was highly successful. Um, and then it kind of just, you know, went off in, in different segments. But so, uh, you know, we really appreciate, you know, what you all have done here because we truly have a responsibility, you know, to support support these families and honor the donor heroes, save the lives of those in need. But to build these relationships and hardwire the intentional process improvements. And that's really something that you all have done. So how do y'all determine basically like for your quarterly meetings, um, do y'all have a lot of basically, you know, we talk about the collaborative. Do you have a lot of feedback from your hospital partners and physicians throughout the, the nation as well? Uh, yeah. So we we base the content of the meetings on really what what the members of the of the group are interested in hearing after our meeting in um, August. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sent out a, a survey monkey uh, poll and asked folks to to tell us, you know, what are what are you what are your biggest um, challenges or hurdles that you're you're trying to overcome within your hospitals, uh, and also what are the successes? Um, so that way we could, you know, collate all those answers, look at what the biggest challenges are and who's also succeeding and maybe in those areas, and then ask those that are succeeding in the areas identified as challenges to share how are you succeeding, how are you 
making these connections. So like with our last meeting about physician engagement, obviously you have a, uh, an amazing ability to, to engage with your physicians and build those partnerships. And so that's why you know, we asked you to be a part of it. Um, and then, yeah, you know, we, aren't, we don't directly ask the hospital partners, but we're asking our hospital services, hospital development folks, you know, to think about their hospitals and what, what challenges they're facing when they're, when they're submitting ideas. And then we have a planning committee that meets um, every month to discuss the upcoming meeting and the content for those meetings. Well, I'm sure that inadvertently, you know, when you're working with your, your hospital services coordinators, is that because of the different connections that they have within the facility, like donor councils and, you know, even some of the feedback and follow up and case reviews and things like that, like a lot of that is being directed from the physicians and healthcare workers. So, you know, one of the things, even like in the RPG surveys, you know, it's one thing to ask somebody, you know, what, what they want to to learn about or, or, you know, what is their understanding and their perspective, but it's a, a huge thing to do something with it. And that's something that I've experienced because of this collaborative that y'all have put together is that it's, it's action-oriented. Is there some themes that you all have seen as far as like some of the topics that you're really addressing? So like Kyle had mentioned, we all kind of poll the larger group and then get together with the planning committee. And most of the topics are familiar broadly across the OPO industry that we've touched on, um, how we're managing organ referrals and partnering with the hospitals and physicians and managing those referrals, best practices in donation after circulatory death and working with physicians through a DCD case, physician bridging language, um, how to avoid unplanned mentions of donation. And then most recently, we had some specialists talking about normothermic regional perfusion Mm -hmm. um, back in August, which is an issue I think that we're all encountering right now in working through with our hospitals and physician partners. So how have y'all seen, you know, or, or give me some examples that you've seen as far as for like some of the positive effects, either through your relationships or process, increased donation rates, uh, improved family support. I know that I've heard a lot, you know, through some of the quarterly meetings, but something, some things to share here that maybe our listeners uh, would find very interesting. Yeah, so I can speak to a little bit of my own personal experiences and what I've taken from it. Prior to the co-OPO, I was also getting together monthly with two other hospital services coordinators that that serve pediat- large pediatric transplant facilities like I do. Um, and now they are part of our planning committee and uh, another, the a pediatric committee that we have. Um, they both are part of that. And I've been able to take some of the, the their advice and ideas on how they connect with their physician partners and with their staff, um, such as like setting up a, um, a scheduled office hours, if you will. It's something I'm going to be implementing at my, my hospital in, in the coming year where they're just going to know on you know, on Thursdays from 11 to 12, Kyle's going to be sitting in the break room to hear out, you know, any any concerns or feedback from a, a recent case or also just provide um, follow up for the, for any recent cases and provide education. So that way, uh, you know, to kind of keep staff comfortable with me. So that way, when I'm on site, they feel safe, if you will, to come up and talk to me and ask questions, because while this is our every day, it's not our hospital staff part our hospital partners every day. Uh, and so, you know, there is that kind of that feeling of safety and being able to just dis- dis- discuss it. Um, and I think, you know, that was one of the successes. And I've also been able to, to not to continue talking too much, but um, 
recently we had one of our our opioid partners um, reach out to us because they were um, they had a family of a, a younger child really wanted to excavate for DCD in their their own patient room and this OPO typically would only do excavations in the OR and at MTN we we don't excavate in the OR we excavate um, at my pediatric hospital we excavate in the room uh, and so I was able to kind of share some tips and tricks on how to make that go smooth for for them and for the family um, and so you know I was I was so grateful to be able to share my experiences because I feel like while I I I, you know, kind of helped build this thing. I have been selfish in that I've taken more than I've given from it. Um, so uh, I was really excited just to kind of get to share some of my experiences um, and, and tips on that. I, I think for me, Sean Paul, that that case that Kyle's referring to where we got a call from an outside colleague just happened in the last week. And, and truly our OPO colleagues um, at the other organization were very nervous. This is something they hadn't worked through before. Their physicians were not prepared for it. Their nurses were not prepared for it. And it was really exciting to see that the relationships we built through the co-OPO have kind of fostered an environment where we can lean on our professional colleagues to guide us through um, challenging situations. And then also I've been able to make some connections through the HCA system and some of the larger systems with other OPO colleagues as we're moving forward. It, it's just been very exciting to to see the connections and all the um, the positive outcomes from these connections. And I know that we're, we're only sharing, you know, a couple of specific examples and I know that we could do another podcast just going over more. But one of the things that I'd like to point out is the fact that, you know, these are, you know, just a couple of cases that we're talking about, but these couple of cases, it provides building a culture that replicates itself and feeling like a team because, you know, I've heard and I've had other people that have shared with me on a lot of the ideas that, that are coming from this on, and ways to improve it. We're not just looking at the hospital and how they can improve. It's about how we can improve too, taking that accountability because you know, we're we're dealing with a family that's it's losing a loved one. You know, we're also, you know, focusing on a life that needs to be saved that, you know, without us working together, it's not going to happen. And so not seeing it as the OPO or the physician, but looking at like, ultimately, what can we do together? And uh, so I think that, you know, for me, that summarizes exactly what you all have built over the last year and how it's grown. And so, you know, you should be very proud of the impact that it continues to have. Thank you. Personally, I felt like this was an important thing because it does feel at times a little isolating to be in one OPO because, you know, there are some things that are coming about that are creating a little bit of competition between the OPOs. But really, as you've been saying, our ultimate goal is to, to honor lives and to save lives through donation and transplant. And I just think, you know, the more we all connect and share best practices, um, Lisa says it all the time, you know, this is important to us because if I have a family member in another OPO service area, I want to know that that OPO is operating at the highest it can to honor my my loved one at the end of their life or if they're waiting on the transplant list in that service area. That is another great point, Kyle, is because I think that, you know, over the past year and even at the national conference that, that we all uh, recently had gone to, it was so great to see all of these different organ procurement organizations like really coming together and having these like very raw conversations about like what can we do how can i help you and that's what this is all about you know 
I mean, that's the definition of what a collaborative is. I think as long as there's people waiting and we know there's over 100,000 people on the national waiting list right now while we're talking and continuing to share best practices, it's incumbent on all of us as OPO professionals to make sure we're sharing all the industry best practices um, with our colleagues to make sure everyone at every OPO in every service area has an equal shot at transplant as well as becoming a donor hero if that's something that is uh, facing that family. Well, I think that is the direction of, of where we're going uh, as a nation together. And so thank you for, for heading that up. I really, from the bottom of my heart, you know, y'all are, are dear friends that I just happened to to meet because of, you know, the industry that we're in. So thank you for being here, not once, but twice, uh, and continue making the impact that you're doing. So thank you for, for making a difference. Thank you, Sean Paul. We appreciate you. Yes. Thank you so much for inviting us. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening. And thank you for being someone that cares about organ donation and transplantation. Remember, you can register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor anytime at registerme.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Connected by Life on your favorite podcast app. Remember, you're a light worker. Keep shining. This is a production of LOPA. The content in this podcast is intended for informational purposes only and not intended to substitute for professional medical advice. To read our full disclaimer, please visit our website. The Connected by Life podcast is hosted by myself, Sean Paul Harrison. Our executive producer is Kirsten Heinz. Our production assistant is Chandra Williams, and we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.